when I get into Tenkara Rod, it's my first two years of Tenkara Rod, I catch more fish than my last 17 years of fly fishing combined. And I catch more fish on side between uh, 14 to 18 inch with my Tenkara Rod and my fly rod. That was Luong Tam talking about what it felt like changing into Tenkara and how he drastically increased his hookups by changing to Tenkara from traditional fly fishing techniques. This is episode number 39 of the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. How's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. In today's episode, I interview Luong Tam to talk about his experience with Tenkara and how he built a business building Tenkara rods. Luong talks about how Tenkara is a more effective way to catch trout because you are more in touch with your fly and spend less time dealing with everything else. He tells us about his life growing up in a war-torn Vietnam and how worrying about air raids, bombs being dropped, and what he learned from this crazy world. Don't miss this as Luong talks about how he went mano-to-mano with the Oakland Casting Club fly fishers and came out on top with his Tenkara techniques. So, without further ado, here's Luong Tam from TenkaraTunuki.com. How's it going, Luong? Very good. How good. are you, Dave? Good. Thank you for um, interviewing me. Yeah, yeah, thanks for uh, making the time to come on. Um, we're going to dig into a, a topic uh, that's pretty interesting that's in fly fishing. Um, I think there's, you know, people on both sides of it here, and I'm um, I'm just hoping to, uh, you can educate me and everybody out there as far as Tenkara and, uh, what it's all about. So, you know, I was hoping, um, <clears throat> um, I guess first I'll say I, I've got a little bit of a, I've been nursing a little bit of a cold here, so I'll, I'll do my best. And, uh, I think, I think I, this is, I think episode two was the other time I had a, a cold on, on the show. Um, and, but I managed to get through it, but, uh, yeah, so I've got that, but, um, yeah, maybe as far as fly fishing and Tenkara, you could talk about how you got into it. And I'm not even sure if, you know, if you got into the actual fly fishing with kind of a traditional style first and then Tenkara, or if, if you've been all Tenkara, but maybe you can give us a, a background on your, on your whole history and how, how, you know, you kind of got into building rods and things like that. Oh, it's, um, I have been fly fishing since the 90, uh, many years ago, but, uh, jump forward to, uh, backward uh, further back to it is when I was a little kid and um, I was born in Hanoi and um, there was air raid from the U.S. bombing in North Vietnam at the time. So I moved to the countryside to live with my grandma and um, over there and I exposed to fly, uh, to fishing. So I just followed the kid and go out and do some fishing. And um, from kid from the city, it probably be the best thing to do. So uh, because I cannot get uh you know, kids from the countryside, they do a lot of different things, which on uh, uh, an urban kid don't deal with it, like walking with a bare feet and uh, play with the buffalo and where. So I felt uh, fishing was fun for me, and I just make my own rod from there. Uh, because in um, in Vietnam, when uh, Tonkin bamboo, that's most of the bamboo that we build, the bamboo rod is called Tonkin bamboo. It's a grow in Vietnam just like weed uh, over here. So I just cut few out and uh, just uh, carve my own uh, little fishing rod, uh, just one uh, one fish line 
rod about four to five feet long and just use a, a broken porcelain and just to carve it down like um, you use over here you use a plan but i don't have the plan to do that uh to make it just for fun and cast a, a, a freshwater shrimp or a little small fish because it was a little kid and i love the rod band and i just love the feeling of it so that it's just my childhood um, hobby mm-hmm. okay and uh yeah so i come over here and i work on a high-tech company um when, when, did, you, when did you come over and you when did you come over to the u.s for the first time uh, I came to the U.S. in about 1979. Um, it was it was one of the boat people. Okay. So I came over here and uh, go to college and. Um, and you, how old were you when you came over in '79? I came over here at the age of about 22. Okay. When I come over. And what, um, what did that? What, what did all all that? I mean, we're kind of off on a little tangent here, but what, what did that feel like coming over? Uh, you know, into the U.S. at 22 and with you know given your first part of your life? It's a really, really interesting feeling. I never forget about it. There's a few feelings that we already remember today after many years, mm-hmm. uh, 40 years, I believe. But mm. um, I was going to Vietnam, um, and there's a lot of activity going on and the war zones and noisy and everything. So the first time when I come over here and in America, I live in a suburbia with my uh, great uncle, I know with my my father, brother, my uncle, and it's living in a, a little, um, a, you know, suburban, and it was just so quiet. Hmm. I couldn't even All sleep. Right. I couldn't even sleep. Wow. Uh, it was like dead silent at night. It was, you know, when you in a refugee camp in Hong Kong, it's a lot of noisy and car driving by, just like you are right middle yeah. freeway here in on a, yeah, you live in Hong Kong like like freeway on a commute hour so it's it's come to the u.s it's just everything dead silent that was culture shock i couldn't sleep because it was so quiet for a while mm-hmm. and that was the first thing and my first two years sometime i dreams about the vietnamese police knocking the door and it just woke me up with sweat and but that's what happened in vietnam police knocking your doors every in hanoi knocking the door and check how many people who will visit your your house, you have anybody who even if you feel uncomfortable. Oh, the, the police, I dream about the police. So, you know, police always in, in Vietnam, they really control you a lot. And everybody in a family, when I live in Hanoi, you get a little books. And in the book, you have everybody names on it. So whenever the police come, you have to show that book and they want to check how many people on the book oh, to yeah. be sure that visual people are in the books. And then everybody have your ID card look like a passport and also they check that too to be sure that to match with being a book and uh, on the book so they know each other you know so they know everybody in the family yeah. so they don't even have to look on the book sometimes you come over and say hey where's Luang for example they can ask you that question and the family have to report oh he go to visit his, he went to visit his friend or something like that gotcha yeah Gotcha. Well, so they just want to be sure that, uh, you know, I'm keeping my eyes on you. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. I want to, I want to get into the fly fishing stuff for sure here, but I want to hear a little more. This is really, I mean, for me, this, I mean, probably for anybody, I mean, this just blows your mind. The fact that you grew up in an area, you know, with a refugee camp. And I mean, I know when I was growing up, the thing that freaked me out as a kid, there was a couple things that freaked me out. One of them was uh, uh, Mount, you know, the mountain blowing up because we had a volcanic eruption 
And, uh, oh yes. Yeah. So I, I had that happen to me. And so I was always worried we were, you know, Mount hood was going to blow up. And the other thing was that, uh, Russia was going to invade us and we were going to all die from a nuclear, uh, Holocaust, you know? And so, I mean, being in that environment where you're in these, like, what was, I mean, what did you learn from that now looking back? Um, it, it learns don't mess with your neighbor. That's the first thing you do. Hmm. Um, when I grew up in Vietnam, uh, because the way the structure in North Vietnam, they control people by they have within the building, they have, they call the building leader. So the guy who in charge for the whole building will re- report into the street. You know, each street you get a block and then each block you get ahead of the blocks and then and couple blocks you have uh, one street you get a, a groups or you got the street leader and then and then you go up from there. So every single you know everything you increase in one scale you get somebody in charge for that territory. Mm. So it's a multiple they in charge for territory. So like my my parents were unfortunately was born rich, is that right? So they get a building. So when the communists took over, the building become like apartment building complex. It turned it designed for one family. Now it become a thirty-three family. Wow. Right? Uh, everybody occupy every room. So uh, every room is the family live there. Yeah. So and in Vietnam we have door, but but it's a lot of ventilation. So we have wall, but door, but the ventilation. So whatever I'm saying or talking, my next door apartment building will hear exactly what. Oh wow! I say because ventilation throughout the building. Sure. So, so they keep their eyes on everybody gotcha. and everybody wants to report to the police or the, the upper head to get some, own some, some points. All oh, right. Wow. So, uh, it's a really uh, tough environment. Mm. So that how I was living in that situation for many years. So you go up with the system, you get accustomed to it. Yeah. So you just know how to deal with it. Um, so that, that, that is how you go up in a system like that. No. So when the air raid, everybody on the U.S. air raid, everybody get out of the city. Oh. So in the city side, it's, the airplane just fly over you. It's so not going to bomb you. So the the war between the the people and the air are quite different. It become entertaining because we can watch the the you know the the <clears throat> the, the rocket shoot from the from the ground up, and we can see the airplane oh. fly over us, and you know wow. it's, it's fight up there, <laughs> but it's far away. But in 79, when the Vietnamese, my father is Chinese, uh, a little bit of blood of Chinese. We lived in Vietnam for many generations. Okay. And he's a high school teacher. But uh, when we heard about these, when, when the Chinese come over to Vietnam, they had a war between Vietnam, North Vietnam and China. And um, it's certainly totally different because, you know, in China, they can just bring in big cannon. They can shoot directly to Hanoi, all right? Mm. So it's it like we are right under the guns, all right? So it's totally different. Mm. And if you watch the uh, YouTube, sometimes you see how the South Americans or Indian people travel and they sit on the train with a lot of people who sit outside the train on top of the train. Oh, yeah. Um, it's it, it like that in Vietnam when the railroad come the mountain, come from border of China, come to Hanoi, and people just sit like that. It's really scary because we never seen people sit outside the train before. Yeah. 
and and I live next to the railroad, so it's very scary. So what happened is the government don't want these people land on Hanoi, so they just get the train fly to Hanoi. So you don't feel the impact of the refugee, but you can, but you can by watching that is really scary. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, gosh. So basically, had this whole part of crazy part of your life, and then you get into seventy nine. You're in the U.S. And then, so you, you said you picked up the rod back in the, um, you know, back in the the day there early on in your life. Now, when you when would you say you kind of got into what you'd say is tenkara type of fishing? And did well, you? I um, yeah, I got into fly fishing first. Okay. And um, I got into so deeply, and I was working in a dot-com company. And I got into fly fishing first. I got out of college and then, and then picking up fly fishing. Um, and I learned so much from uh, fly fishing because it's more challenge. And I have also little kids. So there is a lot of thing, good things about fly fishing is um, we learn entomology together, and we, I catch more fish with fly fishing than I catch with worm uh, or spin rod. Um, so we, um, we were having a good time, uh, doing fly fishing. And then the 2000, when, um, the dot com, uh, bust and I begin to try to make my own fly rod to kill my times or just try to figure out what I'm going to do next. So I build my own rods and, um, then we got into the fly rods, um, the bamboo fly rods. And, um, then we got into the mid- midlife crisis, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, economy going up and down. So we, uh, we agreed to divorce. And so every weekend I took my son to the mountain and we go fishing, um, with my fishing rod and we travel all around uh, the Western uh, side of, um, U.S. in here from uh, all the way from, uh, you know, California to tip top of Vancouver Island. Mm-hmm. And many times we travel to Montana and fish on the Yellowstones. And you, you know, it's yep. all the popular yep. places, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that in um, 2014, I was working for another company. Um, I am software engineers at the time. And I, I work for another company. And I travel to Yellowstone every year at least one to fish on a fire hole. That's my famous river that I like to fish. Um, so I was there and it was a guy named, uh, I believe his name Mike or Brian, one of his name. Mm-hmm. And he was the, the salesman for, not a salesman, but he called himself a chief marketing for Honda. Mm-hmm. He lived, he retired, lived in, um, in Colorado, Denver, Colorado. And he had been fly, he had been fishing with Tenkara Rod for about, um, many years ago in Japan oh. and he come over here and then he said the last seven years, that means 14, I mean the last 207, he had been switching totally delicate to fish with Tenkara rod. And we both fishing and I'm very effective uh, catching fish with my own fly rod. So we catch about 14 fish, each of us for two hours. Huh. And the, the difference is he doesn't move much. He only fish, he covers about 200 yards of water. And here I am covered two miles of water, is that right? Yeah. Um, because I like to move a lot a lot from one place to another place. Just, that's my habit. But anyway, so I run into him and we talk about it and he gave me the rods. And he just while we were talking, he keeps saying, Oh, I just missed a strike. And he introduced me to fly rod for about uh, ten cut rod for about ten minutes mm. on the weaver. And that's it. So I come back and um I was searching on the internet and um 
all the rods are look the same and they get all this strange action like six four seven three mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, I look at all the rods and it seemed to me like they get the beginner rods and a kind of strange for beginner rod so I pick up the uh, uh, the rods um, that kind of middle not a professional and it's not uh, the beginner because it's insulting when you see beginner rods, all right? You don't buy the big beginner rod, so yeah. feel a little bit insulting for that. So you just buy the rod. That, you know, I'm fly fishing for 15 years, and I bother to to go for the beginner. So you pick up the, the rod, um, uh, the rod uh, called the six four action. So it's a very strange six four action, and I will talk to you about that later. Okay. So then I go out and I catch a uh, fish. And uh, it's in in Cali, Northern California here in the winter. We have um, the, the play that you can guarantee you catch a fish called Bomb Lake. Bomb Lake spell is a B-A-U-M. It's kind of spring quick lake. It's the water do run to the lake because the PG&E use that as the uh, reservoir for them to have the powerhouse. Oh, yeah. Yeah, to use that to generate the power. So the lake moves very slowly, mm-hmm. um, very, very slow, but it's next to the, uh, uh, the, the uh, what you call the hatchery. So they just release the fish every week, is that right? Mm-hmm. Every, they release the fish, and they not release one or two fish. They release a lot of fish right. there for the groups, and they're pretty good size of the fish. So sometimes it's raining, the fishing department and dam doesn't want to go out. It just dump the fish to the lake. Um, so I come over there and I catch quite a number of fish and I really, really love it because the band of the rod makes me a good feeling. So I fish for a while and I do a lot of research and because ten cut rod you cannot cast far and yes, I'm a habit of fly fisherman. So I always try to extend my life as long as I can and try to cast that and try always try to beat the system. Um, but then when I get good at it, and um, when I drive home from the mountain road and my wrist hurts so much, it really hurt a lot because I land so many fish. You know, you think about it, you catch a fish on a nine foot rod with the, the, the torch and the rotation from the, from the, from the 12 to 14 right. inch fighting fish on the wrist a lot different. With 10 cut rods, you don't have the, the running line. So everything you pull it up. So like, you hold on on the hinge door and other the fish on on the on the knob side of that. So it's a lot of pressure on the race. And I hurt my wrist so much. I didn't know what happened. Oh, you know, just like fly fishing, when you just practice it, you get um, you get um, a little bit of hurt uh, on your wrist or something, and you just think that way. You don't care about it. Um, then I went to um, to the summit in um, in Colorado, host by Tenkara USA. Oh yeah. And it, I learned a little bit about Tenkara fishing from the summit, a little bit from a Japanese, uh, one of the Japanese called Tenkara master named Ishikaki. He's very, very popular everywhere. How do you how do you spell that? Ishikaki is a is I S H I G A. Okay. K I. He's an eye doctor, but he has been practiced uh, Tenkara fishing for about thirty years okay. or so. Okay, and 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 so. I I don't want to totally cut you off there, but I was hoping maybe I'm just kind of thinking now for for those that maybe don't even know anything about Tenkara, maybe you can just do a quick little um, you know definition of of what Tenkara is. And uh, I mean, I know obviously it 
you fish without a reel, but I don't know if there was anything else that goes along with it. And then also maybe you can do, um, I know the background in Tenkara is, you know, it comes from Japan and fishing up in the hills and things like that. And I think it was part of a, I think it started just because people needed to catch food for subs, uh, sustenance or whatever. But can you talk a little bit about just the definition of Tenkara and then you can finish, finish off your, um, your story there. So Tenkara fishing, um, with the tank, initially I tried to get along as I, I want the lie on because I'm a fly fisherman. But right now I only do fish like a, like a Japanese tights and I get, I even cut down the, the, the length of the rods and equal to uh, the line, the length of the line equal to the length of the rod. So it's more effective way of catching fish that way than to get the line longer. Uh, because um, there are a few different things that when I switch from tenkara fishing, from fly fishing to tenkara fishing, in, in fly fishing, we focus on casting and line control. In tenkara, we uh, focus, I learned, we focus on the fly control. Hmm. Uh, the casting in tenkara rod are quite different than the casting from fly fishing. Fly fishing, you cast very power. In fly in tenkara fishing, you cast very delicate. It it like in fly fishing. If you look at a fly fisherman who cast like a ballet dancer, and tenkara casting is just sort of more like a music conductor. Hmm. It's totally different. Mm-hmm. And fly fishing, you don't move your rigs as much. And tenkara casting, you do use your rigs a lot. Not for casting as much. We do for casting, but it's more about to control the fly with your rigs. Hmm. So you can do all the mandings or all control how the fly flow on the surface. When you cast, it, you just tweak your, your wrist a little bit. So you want the fly sink down more or you want the fly flow on the surface of the water when it land on the water. So so technical tenkara fishing is very tricky. That's the first thing. On fly when you fly fishing when you cast, you because the line have the weight on the on the line. So you feel the you feel the feedback from the from the from the fly line. In ten color, the line uh, a modern ten color fishing, the line is very small, like zero x tippet, <laughs> and you don't feel anything on the line. So you cast by it's just like you draw the picture on the computer with the mouse. So you don't draw directly the picture onto the paper, but now you look at the you look at the computer and then you your hand moving the mouse. So you develop the connection between um, when you cast with ten color rod, you don't feel the line, but you have the connection between that. And all you need to do is to see how the fly land onto the water and how you want it land to, mm-hmm. uh, how you want it to land. So it's always a different way of techniques, a different way. And it turned out I like it better. Um, and that's the first things about casting. Casting can be, and also a lot of things that, uh, fly fishermen cannot do when we cast with with fly rod. The line will land onto the waters. Most of them will land first. Yep. If you're a good caster, or you know, rarely you get a fly land first. But and the line land first, and then you start mending the line. So all your focus shifting from the fly to the line. In in ten color, the line never touch into the water, and maybe a little bit of tippet uh, touch into the water. So you always control the fly. There's always connection between the rod and control. So basically the fly become a puppet. Yep. Um, 
So those things that are totally different, um, you do cast, um, but it's different way of casting. Um, it's not easy, like many people think, um, that fly fish, uh, tenkara people cannot cast. It depends on level of tenkara fishermen, I guess. But so that is about uh, basic knowledge about casting. Yeah, yeah, and and you mentioned the <clears throat> that makes sense with the flies and how that's kind of more of your focus. And so there are a, a couple patterns that are kind of tenkara patterns with like the um, the hair the hair going a uh, hair wing kind of going out. Maybe is there a a big difference between the fly, yeah. flies you they, might um, use? Well, I use uh, basically I use uh, uh, when I would just start with the uh, with ten cutter rods. Uh, I'm also fly tire, so whatever come from my box and I use that at a time. You know, just like ordinary like fly fisherman uh, would use. I use a caddis, I use a, a nymph, and I use um, soft hackle, just like whatever regular fly that we. Uh, we use on fly fishing and it catch fish very effectively too. Um, then I begin to learn to use a Japanese fly. And uh, right now um, I use only Japanese fly most of the time because um, I can I can use that fly, I can work as a dry fly. And I can use the same fly, I can work as soft hackle. Uh, the two fly pattern in my fly box are a nymph with a tungsten bead head that I want to go deep, uh, just like if you do check nymphing, basically check nymphing nymph. Yep. Yep. And it's very simple. It's not a complicated. Uh, it's no different than um, it, it. It it basically it's a chick hook, but uh, similar to um, they call Utah killer bug. Um, basically, just that. And then on the on the other one, it just. Um, just ten cut of like they call K berries, the K E R, oh no, K E B A R I. So it's called K berry. Japanese basically mean fly. Okay. So um, it's it's a reverse hackle. It's like soft hackle here we have in U.S. and to reverse it or spider pattern you can say. Yeah. <clears throat> because the, the hackle a little bit longer. Um, I have found this 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 is interesting. A lot of people think because of movement, but um, I'm going to use a two size of fly. It's going down. Actually, my last trip, I fish and we use a one size of fly is number 10. Hmm. Regardless, either nymph or the, the dry fly or, or, the, or, the, or the Japanese um, reverse hackle fly. Only two fly that I, uh, only one side that I use. And that is that typical it, for, like, for any rivers or just uh, is that typically what you do? You're, just, you're not using as many different types of patterns? No, I have um, I don't much a pattern because you know when um, when I just start with fly fishing and I spend ninety percent of my time on the river to switch the fly, and I end up I lose a lot of tippets, and um, because you, you sometimes the fly hatch and you try to tie fly and I practice I close my eye practice and tie my fly as quick as I can but when you see the hatch and then you begin to get um, Anxieties and nervous or excited, then it took from 30 seconds to tie of to change your fly and yeah. become like three minutes or 15 minutes by the time the hatch is over. So, um, with the 10 cutter fishing, I don't care much about that. And I will talk about that fishing technique later, but you don't care much about it. Um, you just use the same fly, except when you go into, um, uh, 
a meat hatch and um in the in the winter I will switch all all the spring quick I will switch it the the fly a little bit. Fly size a little bit, but the pattern are pretty much the same. Okay. Okay. And um <clears throat> I was gonna note the um the Kabari fly you noted uh earlier uh, it'll be at the uh, I'll get a picture of it and have it in the show notes at wetflyswing.com slash thirty nine. Um and I'll have all the other notes that we talk about here. So yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. I, I want to talk a little more about the matching the hatch sort of thing, uh, as far as the flies, um, and that uh, sort of thing, but maybe you could talk a little more about, um, just the, the gear, like what, what's a typical, uh, length of rod and fly line and kind of just that, all, the whole setup of somebody wanted to, to see what the, you know, and how it's different from a typical trout setup. Um, what are you using out there? Um, the the rods are telescopic rods, and the 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 length of the rods you want to get the the longest rod that you can because the longer rod will give you more cover more water. So like a I mean a, like a fifteen foot rod, or people using like sixteen foot rods out there? No, it it, it will it will it will roast your wrist instantly. It's oh, full, yeah. you just you just enter to the uh, you just enter to uh, uh, so ten cut of fishing. You probably don't want to get any rod that more than they call 360, mean basically 360 centimeter or possibly about 11 feet okay. and 10 inches long. Um, so you want to use that or shorter. You don't want to use a longer because um, most Americans are taller. So you can use a, a little bit up, a little bit more. But um, for women, then I would suggest to go even lower, shorter rod. Uh, and younger audience, anybody less than five foot six would use a shorter than um, 12, uh, 12 feet uh, rod. Okay. Um, yeah, because not many people say that. It's just the rod and the line, you can just buy the line online, um, about like 20 bucks. Um, there are many kind of line called full line. Uh, it's braided and um, you want to use uh, that, that uh, there are many kind of full line out there, so you just want to try to avoid to use a nylon because it twists very quickly. Um, if you get a fly get stuck on the bushes and you try to pull it down and everything become tangled, that's the problem with full line in the first place. And it's a little bit heavy um, when you cast it out and the line will touch the water. And basically, you fish with the line touching the water, but not much, not as bad as with the fly fishing. So um, it touched a little bit, about a couple of feet touching the water uh, on the fly. Um, but if you like to like perfectly dead tripped, um, that would be perfect. Um, or a little bit short tripped for with indicator, and that's that is really really good. Um, okay. To do that. Okay. So that's the easy system for the beginning system. And that's then it. you have about uh, four or five feet of tippet. That's it. Okay. And, so and there's no reel on the tankara, so you don't have to invest money on the reel. And the line, 20 bucks plus a row of tippet, ten other $10 or $30 and few flies. And with a rod, or you can start with a cheap rod um, out there for a few bucks. And another, yeah, you can go to Amazon. You can get from $7 uh, rod. Um, so you can get how much might a, just a beginner outfit, just so you can just get your whole thing for a, a reasonable price on Amazon. Uh, from Amazon, you can get from uh, fifty dollars to about about hundred dollars. You can get it. You can get a whole kit for hundred bucks. Okay. 
Okay. And yeah, um, yeah you can get a kit. Wait. And there's a company called uh, Cat Max or Max Cat or something like that. Uh huh. And um, yeah. Okay, and uh, yeah, and there are some you know typical you know there are companies that give you outfits for under uh, you know a hundred dollars as well, just with your they come with a reel too. But the I think the problem there is that sometimes the reel you lose a big piece on that. Sometimes the quality isn't as good. But uh, no, this is interesting. I'm trying to think. You know, I'm just thinking about myself and others. Like, so you're kind of in the industry and you're making rods, Tinkara rods, and things like that. Are you guys seeing? I mean, how, are you seeing more new people coming in to check it out? And I and I wonder because I think about myself. Like, I love fly fishing and I've done it all my life. And I just wonder, like, okay, why? You know, why would somebody want to get into Tinkara? Is it just for a new challenge? And then and then also, are you guys seeing more people coming into it? Yeah, I have a lot of people who, are, as a matter of fact, from Oakland Casting Club in here, start getting into that and fly fishing clubs around here. Uh, there are many years of experience in retired people. And uh, down in Southern California, uh, casting club down there, uh, people are getting into taking a rod. Uh, in California, it begin to... I think it begin to hit into the momentum soon to be a lot of people to get into taking a rod in the next few years. Um, because it's, it makes people get into that because simple. Um, some people want to try out, and some people already have ten cutter rod, but they don't know how to use that. And now, the ten cutter rod proven to be effective way of catching fish, and um, people will get into it. But look at this way: um, you are a skier, so you invest a lot of money on ski, and suddenly here I come with the skating boards. All right. Yeah. Uh, snowboarding is kind of strange looking, and here I am. My stick already costs more than more than than the snowboard you get on, you know. So it takes some some culture switch people's mind from ski to down to um, to skating board. So it takes some time like that, but yeah. definitely people into that. Yeah. So you are seeing, and you mentioned the casting club. Uh, I think you mentioned um, when we were talking off air about a story you had about recently. I think you might even have a video out there on uh, uh, the Oakland Casting Club and a fishing trip you guys took and how you did pretty well compared to some of the other uh, fly fishermen out there. Do you want to talk a little bit about uh, you know that little that story there? Yeah. So I have been um, fishing with. Um, I have been fishing with. Uh, as a matter of fact, after the trip, I get one of the Oakland Casting Club members send me. I'm also a, um, a casting member of Oakland Casting Club as well. But one of the uh, person sent me the note. Um, I don't have the email right up here, but he he said that thanks so much for the trip, and he just realized that uh, fishing is not about the equipment; it's about the the knowledge and skill. Yeah. So um, because the um, we go into the river. Before I go down to the river in California, we got the Blue Ribbon River here called Pit River. A P I T, okay. and Pit River is it tail waters. You get a lot of uh, a boulder down on the stream, and um, it's very slippery. People sleep a lot. Uh, you know, you don't wet your butt down there. You're not fish on the Pit Rivers, all right. Um, the water is from um, above knee high to uh, you know belly, or it could be a deeper. And it run really some section run very fast, and but because uh, uh, 
slippery. There's not many people fishing there, and there's no trail um, on the river, and so you have to go to a lot of um, blackberry, little yeah. blackberry, and uh, also uh, uh, stinking nettle and uh, poison oak. So it it, it scares a lot of people. With the fly rod people, I come up with the fly fishermen people coming here. They spend a lot of time untangled. They, they, they fly live from the bushes. <laughs> Which I got a rod, I walk all the way up to the river. Then I just pull my rod out. I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah. So it's very convenient that way. That's the first thing. But um, for fishing, I like fast water. Uh, most of fly fishermen will focus on the, on the, on the beginning of the pool. Or you can say the end of the whiffle, that when it's more gentle flow and they put indicator, they can cast far because they believe in the distance. When we can cut a rod, I know exactly where the fish are going behind those boulder, fast water. I just drop it right there. Now, before I went to the pit weaver, I have a lot of fans who fly fishermen here. And one of the guys named um, Chris Leonard out in um Mammoth is my good buddy, and he said that uh, the fish of Pit River runs really hard. So, are you sure you want to bring a tankado rod? Because you, most supply fishermen always worry about what happened when the fish run. Yep. Um, I just took uh, the rod over, and I said, "Well, I have to put my rod to the test." Um, so I took it over, and sure enough, I cast the fish, and I bring in very quickly. Uh, a lot faster. When you get used to with the tankado rod, you bring your fish in a lot faster than with a fly rod because you don't have room for the fish. The fish cannot run by mm-hmm. first place. I will explain to you why, but um, I, I landed over across the current and everything, and the fish pretty good sized fish, and they don't fight as hard as I thought they would be. Um, the mm-hmm. reason why is because when tankado rod, when you set the hook on, you lift the rod up straight. So the fish looking up instead of looking down. So when they wiggle the tail, they're shooting up instead of they go deep into the water and they use the current. So they have not much chance of using current. And you just guide the fish on the on the slower water side of yeah. your, your side and you bring your fishing with the heads up. It's very easy that way. Gotcha. You turn them in and then get them into, uh, yeah, you basically you, could, you don't let them run. And what are, I mean, what are the... What's the biggest size fish that you've ever heard of caught on a tinkara rod or that you've caught? Uh, I People caught salmon with it, um, but I caught it. It's about like 22 inches. Really? Uh, I know my fan cast 24 inches. Wow. So, um, huh. Tinkara rods are very strong, a lot stronger than fly rod. Yeah. No, I, I love uh, hearing this because, you know, you definitely hear, um, you know, on the conservation end, a lot of, you know, all sorts of different species that people are fly fishing for where they're maybe playing them out too far and, you know, maybe injuring the fish. But with Tinkara, you don't have that because you're pretty much getting them in very quickly. And if you don't, I mean, do you break off fish too occasionally? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the thing about why Tinkara land the fish in quickly because the tip of Tinkara or broad is just so soft. That's right. Um, because you have to cast a very, very small line, so the tip of the rod very soft. And so you leave the rod up straight, and the fish basically just look up. And because I also use a shorter line now, so the fish doesn't have much room to turn the head down. And so how, you just, long, how long is the, the typical line you're using? 
right now I just use a little bit less than about a foot less than my rod like so 10 feet or uh, if I have uh, oh no I don't use a 10 feet of rod I'm now graduated so I use a 13 foot rod oh gotcha yeah um I rarely use a shorter rod this day um, because uh, because I use a shorter line. In the past, I used shorter rod with a longer line, but now I, I get a longer rod and I use uh, the shorter line. So uh, also I get more control of fly this way. So I just use that. So um, it bringing the fish very effective. Um, there's a lot of different fishing techniques that you develop when you fish with 10 cars. So each person will develop their own technique. But I have a story to tell you. It's very interesting. I got uh, I got one of my customers who bought a ten cutter rod, and I said, "Where are you going?" He said, "Well, I go into fish in Oregon." He, he told me all about his trip to Western uh, State from here to from California to Montana and Idaho and come back. And I said, "Oh, you want to get? Of course, I'm, you want to get bringing some spare parts in case ten cutter rod fishing." He said, "Oh, I use a ten cutter rod for a small stream." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, I, I look at him, I said, well, so what fly rod you bring with you? He said, no, I bring uh, a check nymphing rod with me to fish on a big river. So I kind of, well, what's the difference between a check nymphing rod and a ten color rod? And he said, well, check nymphing rod is more handled a big river is better than ten color rod. Because ten color rod designed for a mountain stream. Uh, I kind of, because he's, Kind of interesting. So that's a lot of fishermen believe in the wheel. The fish can run, so they need a wheel to have yep. the fish run. Yeah. So that that is that was the the most psychological problem. It's a mental blocks right there. And I told him that hey, I fish all the big river. Hmm. Um, in California, we get the near here we got a Yuba River. The fish can run pretty hard. Um, if you are lucky, you hook one of these um, salmon in October or August or late August or October, then <clears throat> it could be a quiet running. And I looked at him and said, how long is your rod? He said, 10 foot length. Um, I said, well, the 10 color rod you bought in here is, is more than um, 10 foot. You can get more room to reach into the water. But he doesn't believe it. So um, that's the way it is. So. And uh, I think now he heard the story that I go back from the uh, pit beaver, he probably will think twice. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, next, next summer he will maybe just bring 10 cut a rod because yeah. he travel a lot to airport and he will think it twice. No, so yeah, cool. so yeah, you just have to learn how to land the fish. And I know a lot of people who hate 10 cut a rod because they just get broke up and they don't know how to land the fish because most People who get a big fish with a 10 cutter rod, they have the 10 cutter rod angle too low. When you lower the angle with a fly rod, you can release your wheel and the fish can run. With 10 cutter rod, you don't want to lower the angle, at least 45 degree angle or 60 degree angle up in the air. Mm-hmm. So, so make the rod work for you, bringing the fish in gotcha. for you. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that, that answers a couple of questions. So you can fish big rivers. And I mean, I guess that makes sense because a lot of times in some big rivers, you're only fishing 20 or 30 feet out off the bank anyways. Um, you can catch a lot of fishing close. So yeah, it's interesting. You're starting to convince me. I was kind of thinking, you know, that was one of the, uh, the things for me is since I've never tried it, I'm kind of thinking to myself, okay, how, how can I be convinced to try it? And I think, I think what you're talking about is just, you know, it's like anything you want to try a different rod, a different technique, um, try, try something new. Uh, you know, it's, 
it still sounds like there would be a challenge because I think a lot of people, there's so many different rods and reels and just in the typical fly fishing that you could use, it's still the question like why, why try it Tenkara? And, and so again, it probably just comes back to that. Not necessarily. Well, it sounds like to you that you can catch more fish with Tenkara, but do you think that's the biggest reason people check it out? Or do you think it's more that they just want to try something new? Well, it depends on people. I cannot speak for another person, people, but for me, when I get into Tenkara rod, it's my first two years of Tenkara rod. I catch more fish than my last 17 years of fly fishing combined. Yeah. And I catch more fish on side between uh, 14 to 18 inch with my Tenkara rod and my fly rod. Um, actually, it can go up to 22 inches because I, when I fly rod, I don't, the way I fish, I don't fish big river much. When I fly rod, um, I also fish small streams a lot. But with a ten cutter rod, I begin to focus more on fishing versus onto the flies. Um, and also, I have less worry about um, the casting techniques because the limitation is right here. So I'm more focused on reading the water more, approach the rivers a lot different than when I would with fly rod. Fly rod, I just walk straight to the bank and cast it out. And sometimes you go to the middle river and you cast on both sides. But we can cut a rod when I come in. Before I reach into the river bank, I clear out the water. And most of the time I catch the fish right when I was about to step into that water. And I just catch the, the, the lie out there. And and the fish always waiting for me to come in and step onto them and they can run away. But somehow now with the with a ten cutter rod, those area that I check out all the water be happen. And it's a lot different where you, you spend more time on fishing than thinking about gears. Um when I do fly fishing I have to learn about what indicator I use, um yeah. what yeah. fly do I use. It's a lot of information that I have to prepare for that. But with ten cutter rod I just focus on one thing. Gotcha. Fishing, I don't have any indicator anymore. Um I learn how to control my my depth of my fly, so I do check nymphing, but I want to know how far I want it to go because the river is not a not a flat bed, so the river change. So you be with a with an indicator, you have the same distance from the surface down, how far the fly going down. So if the river getting shallower or deeper, and you lose the the opportunity of catching fish on a different depth of the water. With a with a ten cutter rod, I can I can cast and I can control the depth uh, very easily. So normally, I want the, the fly flow a little bit on the top water and slowly introduce down to be deeper and deeper. Yeah. With the with a with a fly rod, I only have one depth level. If I put a name on, I have an indicator and I suspend on that, and so how far it go down, and I know how far it go down. And if it run to the boulder and it gets snapped. Yeah. But with with a ten cutter rod, uh, I can see the boulder, and I can longer rod. I can move around control. a little bit to yeah control it more. I can yeah. lift the rod up a little bit to be sure that it go above that and getting down. That's and awesome. I control the the, the 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 flow of the nymph, so I don't have to depend on on the nymph. Yeah. yeah. So that's one thing that that uh, I do a lot, and it's very effective for me. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're, uh, you're convincing me, uh, <laughs> you're convincing me. I see the, I'm just thinking of myself out there and I, yeah, that is a big challenge is your, your depth of uh fly and getting down to the fish. Do you have a couple of maybe books or 
um, other online resources or anything if somebody wanted to get started with Tenkar and to learn more about it that you would uh, a place you would direct them uh, on YouTube so that and you can go into my website it's called Tenkara 101 uh, basically it's just basically the Tenkara get only few knots that they have to learn uh, this uh, sleep loop knot and uh, that's all you have to learn and loop knot a knot on Tenkara lot are quite simple um, it's not so complicated like the fly fishing rod because we worry so much about knot. Yeah. Um, ten cut a rod is it we don't focus on the knot so much. Um because you control the flies and not the knot. So fly fishing when you catch you want to be everything is perfect. Yeah. Um so with ten cut a rod is very sloppy on that. So uh, people don't care much about knot. You can get away with one knot. So mm-hmm. you don't have to do so many different knots. So the systems are very simple. A very compact, very simple, and there's not much you can learn about it. You just have to take your rod out and fish, yep. and you learn on the river more than you learn on the book or something. But I'm working on a series of video right now, and to because um, I start teaching people down to the river now and to go out fishing, and I have learned so much what people need to know. So I'm. Uh, working on that uh, this winter we'll be working on it and we have a whole bunch of um, a series on onto that how to catch the fish in a in a different way of catching the fish okay uh, than fly rod and that'll be on yeah uh, that'll be because on. now the tenkara rod is it it is not a two way for tenkara rod to fish tenkara rods are very sensitive so you can feel the fish take on your fly hmm. down the bottom gotcha gotcha uh, another Another great uh, feature to have for sure. Did you so those videos? Those will be on 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 your YouTube channel. Yeah, on YouTube you go on to called Tanuki Fishing. Tanuki Fishing. Okay, perfect. So all... and also Tenkara Tanuki One Hundred One. So they get the also the video that I collect all over the, the the YouTube, and I just link to my channel. So it's not just only my videos, and there's a lot of people video onto it. So called Tanuki One Hundred One or Tanuki fishing. Yep. Okay. I'll uh, I'll link out to those, like I said before, at wetflyswing.com slash 39. I'll, I'll get a link to those. And uh, do you have a few, maybe three uh, tips, uh, your biggest tips for, for Tenkara fishing to help somebody if they did uh, go out there and pick up a rod and, you know, to catch some fish? For beginner, you can uh, get everything you want. If you fly fisherman, um, it's very simple. Um the first thing that don't try to get, the first tip is you don't try to get uh, too long of the rods. The rods cover the water, but like I said, um, it, it, the torsion to your rig is really hard. So to be sure that to get the rod a uh, little bit short, um, 12 feet is good enough and get comfortable with that, then you go upscale, then you can get a longer rod. Um, but just start with, a, with no more than 12 feet long. Okay. And there's a lot of rods out there, including my rod too. Of course, I would recommend people to use my rods, all right? Yeah. Um, but um, but my rod is different. It, it The only rod that designed in America, uh, and my background is engineer, so it designed by the engineers in America, so it's different. Um, I designed a rod because it's just the ergonomic problems. And also, but anyway, um, mm-hmm. when I when I get a rod, I just get a custom rod review, first generation of 10 color rod. He said, oh, your rod is for beginner. I looked at him and said, what do you mean beginner? He said, it's too easy to cast with. I said, <laughs> so that's what he said. So yeah. 
uh, beginner, uh, the, the original rod, the first generation of the rod is because it's based on the Chinese for carp rod, the fishing for carp, so a little bit stiff. Uh, but that's very popular right now. And uh, But mine is more a little bit lighter, um, more sensitive. Um, but that that is that's my personal opinions about it. I'm biased, of course, sure. right? Sure. Um, so that's all you have to need. So that first tip is don't pick the, the rod too long. Don't be too greedy just to get your hand on it and go to the event to see anybody that um, fishing on the event on trade show or so see some people with ten cut a rod and try them all out. Where because are, that's the where, only thing that you can have it. Are there events uh, around uh, the country or a place that somebody could find out where events are? There are quite uh, event around the country, but now it's the end of the season, so they know. But there are one in the Midwest called Tenkara Fest, a Midwest Tenkara Fest, held by a company called The Badger. Um, the company making um, also Tenkara Rod, uh, the, uh, the Badger, um, it holds uh, on the, they call it the triplets area. It's amazing fishing there. Uh, just fly fishing, but you can come there. You love it. It's it's the maze of the Coon Valley. It's, it's with a, the network of uh, spring quick look like maze. It's just incredible. One spring after another spring quick. Oh, wow. And it's a great place to be. Yeah. <gasps> Midwest, it's about first or second week of May every year. People from the south go to uh, about uh, not this year, but next year, about late September or early October, go to North Carolina, and uh, they call it the Tenkara Jam, the J A M, that hold about like hundreds of Tenkara fishermen around the country gather over there to just do fishing and learning on the Tenkara itself. Um, so that is the Midwest, and now on to the West Coast, you have. Um, in Utah, this right on the, they have a Japanese uh, Tenkara master come over and teach every September here. His name Oni Masami. He's the top notch in from Japan, uh, host by the called Tenkara guys uh, in Utah. It's right on to the uh, Sundance Resource. So it's it, a little bit expensive. It's not a, it's about four or five hundred dollar per ticket for a few yeah. days. But uh, from another place, only 30 bucks. Um, so that, and then, uh, and then I begin to have my first um, Tenkara boot camp in California in this October, second week of October. And hosting about 80 people also invite a lot of people from around the country come over uh, to teach uh, everybody, teach each other. Um, will be a seminar and uh, Right on the resource, um, it's thirty-five dollar per ticket, so it's quite decent. But mostly, it's just go there for fishing. Uh, the town of Bishop in California is a great place to be fishing. Probably one of the best fishing places in Eastern Sierra in California. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so there's there's plenty of events around. It sounds like uh, if people want to check it out. If as far as yeah, so that's yeah. Ten events, and also you can check out like um, some fly fishing trade show. Um, there are a lot of rods out there, and uh, you run to them. Got a company, of course. We all want to sell you the rod more than teach you, but yeah, you're good opportunity to check out and pick up some information there. But also, I if you're in the West Coast, uh, sometimes I go into a fly tying event like in Oregon, um, the the Northwest Council from the the uh, yep. 
fly fishing international they all the show in here and i'm showing up there and just check it out and i do offer the class like in boise this uh mid august i host two ten color class uh, just for everybody in fly fishing just want to curiosity or people want to try out sure sure that's awesome no that's you, you uh provided a bunch of great resources there and hopefully i'm hoping to get out and maybe see in boise as well it'd be great to uh I hope hopefully we can fish together too. Yeah, no, this is you're getting me fired up because the, uh, you know, I I didn't know what to expect going into this. I really didn't do a lot of research uh, research on Tinkara, but uh, it sounds like you know my take on it is that, I mean, the bottom line is is that you have more fly control. You're not worried about a lot of extra things that you would be typically with just typical fly fishing. So you're able to get down to the fish and you know and pretty much catch more fish once you learn it. So I could see why you could uh, do pretty well. And, you know, I fished the Deschutes a lot and that's another river where, you know, I'm sure this technique would, would be great on, on, on the Deschutes. Yes. Well, anytime my, my philosophy is every time you catch the fly in front of the fish face, you get 30% chance of catching the fish. Yeah. The first chance is a curiosity. The fish will take your fly for the curiosity, but normally those are small fish. The second chance is the territorial protection. That's a bigger fish. They don't want you to mess with a food chain. Yeah. They're attacking your fly. And the third one that say, hey, that look eatable, and they're going to eat it. And yeah. another 10% which just like, they get tangled with us or whatever. Yep. But to me, you get 30% right there. Okay. And and on the flies, so you mentioned a few flies other than the traditional Tankara type flies. What are your top two or three just traditional flies that you might use for uh, when you're fishing Tenkara? Uh, in the winter, I used to go down to Mitch. Um, but normally, right now, I just use a one fly um, with a soft hackle uh, wings up. I don't have to use. Sometimes I want to have fun. Uh, I use a, a little bit for that trip. I use a, um, a stiffer hackle, rooster hackle, and it's just tight. Um, just straight up, it looked like a big ganat, and that's all. Um, I don't use a cat as much anymore. Um, I have uh, I have about a few hundred cats fly hanging around in here. I always keep to my fan when I go to the river. I don't do that anymore. Um, I can fish a soft hackle. What I do with soft hackle, I wet the soft hackle first. And I cast it out, and I raise the rod up, and now the soft hackle flow on the surface, become a tri fly. And then I just tap in my rod because the rod is so long, the tip is so flexible. So by tickling the tip a little bit and it creates a motion on the um, on the soft hackle, it looks like a distressed bug just touched down to the water, struggle to try to get out. Yeah. And there's some video I have that on on a on a Tenkara 101 or Tenkara Tanuki 101. So it makes it look like distressed bugs. And they just come in and they take it. Yeah, that's awesome. And uh, you mentioned the tent car to Tanuki, your your rod company. What now? What is the so you, the the Tanuki is a character in, in a Japanese character. Can you describe what what that uh, character is all about? Uh, this is a fun character. Uh, it can have a devil side or it can have a good side. It become more popular now with a younger audience. Um, the Tanuki basically is a raccoon dog. Um, it's smart like a dog, but it looks like a raccoon. Yeah. Um, but legend to meet in Japan in the old uh, it it uh, in Japan and they get they get funny they get two big nuts all right 
and Japanese having fun with tanuki because tanuki had a big nut so they can use the nuts for everything. Hmm. But they also magic can transform into they like to uh, tease people, but they don't like to hurt people. They like to tease people, so they um so that's a, they can transform into all different. In in Japan, people will go nuts with that uh, with a tanuki. Um, I will send you the link uh, about tanuki called um. The, the the website called tofu go um dot com they call tanuki they explain really interesting okay. about tanuki uh, character two out of history character is about like five minutes video is awesome video but it's a magical animal they get a power uh-huh oh, that's a good uh, uh, yeah it it is it, yeah and it sounds so it's good. A good character so in japan tanuki for everything so why you get a tanuki restaurant named Tanuki Restaurant in Seattle? You have the Tanuki Room, uh, one of one of the restaurant, Japanese restaurant. You have okay. a Tanuki. Gotcha, gotcha. No, it it sounds great. It's got that that alliteration or you know, kind of uh, just the, the the word play and stuff is great. Um, well, you- also we like to trick people, all right. So the reason I picked the character, the first one came kind of from Japan, got to be taught of Japanese onto it, but also. For the fishermen, we do it tricky to fish, right? To take our flies, right? Yeah. So tanuki, basically in in Japan, for the fish, probably think that tanuki transform into the human and trick trick them. Huh. Become a fisherman, basically like that. So it's yep. it's a lot of things that you can look at. It. Yeah. Sure, sure. That that makes sense. Uh, do you have a, you know, thinking back on your life? I mean, we started off this talking about the war and you know, kind of all that madness that you grew up in. Do you, you know, throughout your life, you know, after that point, or is there a story or something that rings a bell that helped to kind of put you in the position now where you have, I mean, you have a fly rod company and anything that kind of had impact on your life? Well, it, the fishing, I like the bamboo rod. So I like the actions of the rod are similar to the bamboo rod. So that's my own style, but it not doesn't mean all the fishermen like that. So, yeah. um, the thing that the one that why do I do the rod? I always love to build rods. Uh, and fly fishing is my um, oh, fly fishing is my passions about it. And I have been working on the software engineers and you know and the designer view of seeing the, the the late eighty to uh, up to two thousand fifteen. Is all right. Uh, it's a lot of stretch. Um, so when I get into here and I feel like finally I get something for my own that I love to do. And that's why I get into the rods and um, I just, I cannot concentrate working on the software engineer side of it because I stay until two or three o'clock in the morning to work on my rod. Mm. Um, it's a hard to go to engineer. It's unfair for the engineer company that uh, we pay you the big bucks and here you are sitting around and you're halfway to even halfway open. It's not, not yeah. fair for the company. So I feel it's more fun. And initially I designed the rod for myself. It wasn't for anyone. And it was a, a Tenkara a guy in Utah, one a guy named Eric. He said, Luan, can you make some of this thing for uh, for committee to use? Uh, because that's the, he thought it was the rod. Um, and he showed me he had 20 different rods onto there. And so that when I start building that and uh, making for people, I have more responsible when I make the rod for another to use, which I pay more attention to details and everything rather than just my rod. So it takes a lot of time and effort for my uh, daily work. So I just focus to work on the, on the rods. And it's a lot of experiment. Um, I have, have a quite number of video um, 
that I developed the rod and process and how how I de- developed the rods. And I hope that someday we'll put together and share to everyone. Yeah. Uh, I don't hide anything. You see, here I how I developed the rods, and I hope that um, one day that I hope that we all design ten cut a rod in here and to make it a uh, fit for everybody. And you know, different company get their own style and brand, but. Uh, at least we can design here and raising the quality of the rods more than just whatever the Chinese manufacturer gave it to us and put a new label on it. Right. right. Yeah, that's what ten cut of rods are. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Well, there's uh, definitely a bunch of uh, other questions I can ask you. I think I'm going to have to uh, maybe uh, meet you in Boise and, and try it out first. Then maybe I could uh, have you on again to talk about you know what yeah. you know how how to take it that next step further and go from there so um yeah as far as you know your you know you and your rod company and things like that in the next 6 months or so do you have anything uh, we can kind of keep an eye out for you think oh yeah i have a new rod coming out i have a new rod coming out around the corner <laughs> right now we call it the golden trout rod it designed uh it designed for people who like to fish for the small fish and love the uh, bushy bushy area and the rod is very short. It's about seven, six to seven feet. Oh, wow. Uh, very, very short. Um, yeah. It has been developed for more than two years. Testing a lot. Every trade show, 100 people test on that. Couple of trips to Golden Trout Wilderness. Mm-hmm. And that one, you might give it out. Yeah. And I suppose to fly there. Every rod I go, I fly to uh, to the manufacturer and work with them. But this rod, um, my schedule is so busy. So I just, uh, we, we have the, the, the working uh, all the procedure or standard procedure setting out so I can work from home right now and still control the quality from the, from the manufacturer side of it. So okay. it should be here in the next couple of weeks. That will be the, the one that's coming up. Okay. And you said they were manufactured in the U.S.? No, manufactured in China. U.S., okay. we cannot do Tenkara rod. Oh, you can't. Gotcha. Uh, we don't have it. You know, I can sit down and talk with you for about at least an hour long how this rod made. It's very yeah. interesting, but that will be another time. It's quite long. Okay. Yeah, Let's we'll leave it for the next one. And um, All right. Well, uh, yeah, before I let you get out of here, is there anything? Did I did I miss anything today you want to tell anybody about Tenkara or what it takes to get started or catch fish? You know, start it. Just go out and catch fish. Huh. And... Um, to ten cut a rod is you not spend time to learn on casting. You just just go out and cast whatever you feel you can cast with that. And the most important is to get your hand on it, and then you can develop from there. But the first thing to go out and catch fish, and there will be some. Don't get frustrated because when I start, I used to with a very long line, and I can get shorter and shorter, and my line getting shorter. The shorter I get, the more fish I catch. So. But it takes some time to get a shorter line, especially from fly fishermen. And um, to me, that's the most important thing is just go and do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, good way to kind of leave it off. And as far as people, <clears throat> I mean, do you find people getting started that are completely new to fly fishing altogether? Or do you find more people that are kind of have been doing it a long time and then getting into Tenkara? Well, uh, from Bay Area, when I talk to all the fly fishing clubs and everybody here already have 10 cutter rod, but they never pull out their closet to use it because oh, they don't know how to use it. I see. Uh, it's kind of strange to me, like a vacuum cleaner salesman knocking the door to tell <laughs> them how to use it. vacuum cleaner. They said, oh, we already have the vacuum cleaner closet, but we don't know how to use it. 
Um, so right now I just going out and fish with them and they see me fishing and they start believe that they can catch fish with him kind of lot. So that's the first thing that the second thing is it, 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 the fear, because if you're fishing with a lot of fly fishermen, um, surround you and everybody looking at you say, what are you doing with a 10 cut rod? Do you know how to cast? And that kind of fear people feel uncomfortable with that, but just take over the fear, go out and use it. Okay. And, 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 um, I know everybody have, they can cut a rod in the closet. Now for new people come on in, you don't have to say anything. You just hold the rod to go out and they got a fish right away. Yep. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was one of the, um, Oakland, uh, Oakland casting club member named Wally. Uh, I took him down to the weaver and, uh, I told him to use 10 cut a rod. I said, Hey, here's my rod. You go out and use it. And why I'm trying to, I try to encourage him to, test it out and while I'm trying to tie another fly onto my uh my my rod he, he already caught the fish right in his hand and he said I never on a hot quick it's about the most difficult quick that you can catch on in California well educated fish he caught the right first fish and he faced mine I was just like shocked I said could you give me some change that I can tie my fly first before you catch your fish <laughs> nice yeah, and then suddenly we get a few more people from uh, from Long Beach Casting Club come over and ask, uh, hey, you guys catch fish already? We hear all day we catch one fish too. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> and so, um, and then cool. they pull out the pocket. We have and got a rod with them too, but they don't use. <laughs> yeah. That was so funny. That's great. No, I think, you know, I think the bottom line, you know, I've, I've interviewed a lot of people now on this show. And for me, I think the take home is, you know, regardless of what type of fishing you're doing, the bottom line is, are you having fun? I mean, you know, that that's it. If somebody wants to go out that's there. That's what we do fishing for, exactly. right? We exactly. fish for, so why bother to worry about something else? Yeah. Why bother to worry about who we are? Just go out and catch fish. Just go out and catch fish and fish and try something new. So, all right. Well, I, I think we're about there. I'll let you get uh, back to it. Um, as far as if people want to find you, where, where would you direct them? Where would be the place, best place to get in touch with yes, you? Yes. Either they can post the message on my Facebook, Tenkara Tanuki Rods, or they can just go to my website and just just email me. I'm happy to answer them all. And uh, yeah. Okay. And just post on, on my on my page on, on Facebook. That's the best place. That, uh, to, I check my Facebook quite often. So. Okay, perfect. I'll uh, leave a link to uh, your website and Facebook there in the in the show notes. And yeah, uh, Luong, I just wanted to thank you for coming on and providing all this information. I definitely you've uh, you've changed my mind on this for sure. And I, I think especially you know, knowing that it doesn't cost a lot to get into it, it, it seems like why not uh, try out a new type of fishing? And so yeah, I, I appreciate all your knowledge. And hopefully, I'll meet up with you later or this summer, and and we'll go from there. Yeah, thank you, Dave. And you save a lot of money from the fly, which is getting a ten cutter rod. That's right. That's right. Well, that's that's actually one of my questions. We could we could do another uh, half an hour on flies because I do have some questions there. And uh, but yeah, talking about just fishing two flies is definitely sounds uh, sounds uh, intriguing. So, okay, well, well, we'll catch up with you soon, and we'll, uh, we'll talk to you later this summer. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you later. Okay. See ya. Bye. 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 So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to wetflyswing.com show. 
And if you haven't joined the Wet Fly Swing email list, head over to wetflyswing.com slash email to, uh, to sign up. Each week I'll send out a reminder with a quick summary of what we have going in the, uh, the show this week. And also I'll have a link here to a new live uh, video series I'm doing um, where we'll be continuing uh, some of the story here and guests and getting into more fly tying. So you can check that out as well. Thanks again for stopping by to check out the show today. I'm looking forward to catching up with you soon and hope to see you online or on the river later. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.